Welcome to the Hook Podcast, Season 2, Episode 5. On this episode, we've got Lee Rayner, and we get to talk about all things COVID and also, obviously, the hot topic of fishing and when we're going to be able to get back at it. But Lee also passes on some awesome tips and some things to look out for. So sit back, enjoy this episode of the Hook Podcast. So uh, welcome to the Hook Podcast, Lee. Thank you very much for having me. I, um, I wish I could tell you some great fishing stories at the moment, but I've got nothing. Yeah, so for everyone that's just joining in, we're, uh, we're stuck down in Victoria, both of us at the moment. So uh, I know you're in stage four, we're in stage three. So fishing has pretty yeah. much come to a stop for the last two months. Yeah, it's been a, a pretty tough sort of time. And it's been a tough time too, Dan, like, the fishing has been good everywhere, like locally, but even interstate. I just, I cannot look at Facebook. I can honestly say I haven't looked at Facebook for weeks because I just can't, I cannot handle seeing another big bluefin tuna caught on the south coast or another big yellow fin off Port Stephens. I just, I just can't do it. I'm, I'm, I am feeling your pain, mate. So, uh, seeing everything on Facebook, I've started blocking some people actually because it's, it's like, uh, yeah, good. I'm glad you're fishing. That's awesome. I don't yeah. want to know about it. Yeah, I know. It's, it's not a good time, but we'll get through it. We'll get through it. And you know what? It'll be, you know, hopefully we're right to fish for spring. And, and that's the main thing. Because I mean, look, let's be honest, the weather's not great down here at the moment either. No. So uh, I was actually looking at the weather forecast for the weekend and it is blowing up to 39 knots, I think. Oh, good. That makes me happy that I'm not fishing. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was like, yep, awesome. Another, another weekend right off. That's cool. Good. Yeah, that's it. It's um, I'll tell you what it does. It does really hurt. And it's one of those things that you don't realize what you've got, I suppose, till it's gone. Like that's a ridiculous saying, but you know, it's just so such a hard thing when all of a sudden you can't go fishing. And I know there's been a couple of days lately when like, I literally don't want to go near the bay when I go and do my shopping because you just know it's glass calm and I just, I can't handle it at the moment. So yeah. it's a miserable state of affairs. So what have you what have you actually found yourself doing to keep yourself busy then, mate? Like any anything at the moment, or are you just sort of cruising along? Uh, uh, mate, well, my work honestly is pretty well stopped because just the whole thing of not well, boat ramps are blocked and all that sort of stuff. So there's not much we can do. So I have cleaned fishing gear, rigged and re-rigged lures, and shuffled tackle trays and reorganised fishing gear multiple times yeah i know the feeling mate i've uh, i've done the exact same i've just spent the last two weeks re-rigging everything and re-labeling stuff and getting things organized but uh that's come to a grinding halt now so there's not even that to do no that's it i'll tell you i'll tell you what has been good i've probably done a lot of boat maintenance before you know got the boat it's like cut and polished and just tidied a lot of little bits and pieces up. So just got all that sort of stuff done. But um, I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people that when I'm busy and really busy, I'm really efficient. And when I'm not busy, I struggle to get two jobs done. So (laughs) I need to get back to working. 
Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But there wouldn't have been too much to do on the boat because it's, it's near new, mate. Oh, it, yeah, look, there wasn't. It was just stuff like polishing it and just, you know, it's amazing when you, you clean your boat and we all look after our boats as we do, but it's amazing how when you look at them closely, when you polish them, just a little bits and pieces of bait and just little scuff marks that you can buff out. And because I'm not doing it in a rush, like I was literally getting up in the morning and I'd do this just one square meter of the boat and just make it perfect or two, two meters of the boat, and make it absolutely perfect. And the next day and the next day and so on. So it took a while to do it, but I got rid of every single little bit of bait and marks and things like that. So that was a good thing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I know the feeling, mate. I'm, uh, I'm missing not having a boat parked in the garage. If I'm, if I'm brutally honest, having it mm. parked down in the Marina makes it, like you just can't tinker, just go out there and just yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And tinkering's just, I suppose, it's all all part of it. But um, look, oh, on the upside, we're coming into spring, and I suppose that's that's the one thing that I'm holding out for is like any any fishery anywhere in this country, spring is always a great time for fishing. And this year they're saying that we've got. We're on the start of a five-year cycle of snapper that's going to be the best on record. So I'm not saying this year's going to be the best on record, but they're saying the next five years we're going to see phenomenal numbers of snapper in the bays. Um, so that's going to be really interesting. But also the, the bluefin tuna, you know, the, the spring run of jumbo tuna down on the West Coast and even locally can at times be really, really good. So fingers crossed, mate, we're able to get on the water to, to get into part of that. Yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you 100%. I'm, Jackie and I have been pretty busy with... Uh, Jackie's been tra- chasing an Australian record this year. So we, we sort of had, yep. our, had our feet cut out from under us with everything, like everyone. But um, And then, yep. you know, seeing, seeing some of the squid that are getting caught out there as well from people that aren't in the lockdown and stuff like that, there's, there's a good run of um, calamari in that going through the bay at the moment. Yeah, there's so many squid around. The fishery is so healthy. You know, our bay, both of our bay fisheries and just all through Victoria, we're pretty lucky with our calamari. But this year, um, one thing I really, really missed is I love winter whiting fishing. And, you know, it's not about numbers of whiting. It's about big whiting down the bottom end of Western Port and Port Phillip. And just before lockdown, the big whiting turned up down the bottom end of Western Port. And they were big fish too, like up to 50 centimetres. And hopefully they'll still be there in the next few weeks when we get on the water. But that's one thing I reckon I've genuinely missed is that, that winter stuff. Cause that often is just really good when it's nice and sunny and calm and just a nice winter's day. But uh, that's a distant memory this year. Yeah. Well, I remember watching an episode of um, fishing edge and that where I think yep. September you were chasing Makos and stuff. So there's still a chance we might get that in. Yeah, mate, there's still plenty going on, you know? Um, and if we can, I, I suppose, the probably the one of the things that's not going to help us is when are we going to be able to get into New South Wales? But um, if we're fishing locally, Gippsland, you know, through spring can fish very, very well for Makos because you get that first push of sort of blue water. There'll still be swordfish there. Your snapper are turning up and, and locally as well, everything starts to happen. So options are going to be there when we get on the water. So you, you touched on it there. I know you were one of the very first guys to really, I suppose, advertise and publicize the the sword fishery here in victoria i know it was something that was pretty near and dear to your heart that you'd been sort mm. of chasing for a while i know you'd kept it on the lowdown for for quite a few years but there was you and a, a couple of others that really pioneered i suppose the the sword yeah. fishery here in victoria how 
how long and how much effort have you really put into that, mate, for the people that don't really know? Um, so most of my swordy fishing was done at night and I was lucky to have caught swordfish, a swordfish at night and done it the traditional way. And look, I, I've always looked on, you know, your, your GPS mapping systems and the, the, if you run down the continental shelf of Australia from, from Cairns to Tasmania, the most spectacular piece of continental shelf on the eastern seaboard is between Mallacoota and Lakes Entrance and even just down past Lakes Entrance. So it was something that I always thought would hold marlin and tuna and stuff, but I was like, it'd have to hold swords. And the first one that we got down there, I, look, I can't lay claim to being... The, the brains completely behind the operation because it was Richie Abella and Richie's just a fanatical fisherman. And when he puts his mind to something, it's going to happen. So we were marlin fishing off Mallacoota and the marlin fishing was slow. And before we went, Rich said, we've got to do this daytime sortie fishing. And the story went that we were up north of Mallacoota and way, way north chasing the water for the marlin. We had one bite and then Rich goes, let's have a sortie drop. And the weather was just mint. Right. And we were, way north of where we wanted to be for a sortie and the weather was so good and rich goes let's just do a drop somewhere here and i'm just like nah if we're gonna do it let's go to where you reckon we need to be so we ran 30k south and we sent a bait down with a brick on it and hit the bottom we've gunned the boat cracked the brick off and literally as we were backing the boat up to let the bait sink down the rod tip bounced that quick rich is like we're bit and i'm like what and he goes we're bit here he is and then started cranking into this thing, loaded up, and an hour and 45 minutes later, I think we put that sword in the boat at 128 kilos. And that was a week after Matt Porter got the very first one off uh, lakes. So it was pretty exciting. Um, and then to drag the story out a little bit more, the next day, that night, we're like, man, we caught a Victorian daytime swordfish, and it, was, it went viral like through the country. And we're like, I reckon we can get more. Imagine if we caught two in a day. Went out the next morning, glass calm, went to the same area, put a bait down, about an hour into it, got one, caught that fish, and then about midday we caught another one. So we're pretty pretty stoked. Three sorties in two days. So, yeah, and that, that just kicked it off, mate, to what has been a phenomenal fishery since then. Yeah, so I know, like, a lot of listeners will know where the sword grounds and stuff like that are, yep. but it's a, it's a long run out from either Mallacoota or Lakes, isn't it? Like you're talking you know, a good couple of hours. Yeah, yeah. So there's, but there's grounds everywhere. So off Lakes, you're running anywhere between 75 and 120, 130 kilometres, depending where you want to go. And that shows the vastness of the sword grounds. It's not just one little, you know, piece of water. There is canyons and bits of shelf everywhere. And, and, swords where we caught those first swords was at the the pretty close it was right close to the victorian south australian border in fact we were only in victoria by a couple of hundred meters when we caught that first sortie so there's swords all the way through basically mate they're just like marlin they follow the bait if the feed layer is there the fish are there and i've never had a sortie bite where i've had no feed layer so it's pretty simple that that as the bait moves the fish move and you just need to be you know able to move around with them yeah right so obviously that leads into a, a bit of a, a next segue, I suppose, is the Simrad gear. Um, we, we use yep. Simrad as well. I love the gear. Um, big, big fan yeah. of Simrad. I know you are. I know you've done a lot love of stuff it. setting like videos and things like that, showing people how to set it up. But sure. for chasing your pelagics, if you had to pick three quintessential items that you have to have on the boat to yep. go and be successful at it, what, what would you reckon? Okay, so I would, I would definitely say if you're going to game fish, 
you need two transducers. Okay. And there's a reason for that. So yeah, in your closer sort of stuff, you, you, fishing to the edge of the shelf, the SS175 high wide transducer, the one kilowatt um, is, is ideal. It's perfect. So that's really good from your surface down to say 200 meters, right? Yeah. Once you're going to start looking deeper, if you're going to deep drop, if you're going to sortie fish, you do need the low frequency, the one kilowatt low. And the bonus to having the Evo 3 Simrad, right, over, even over the Evo 2, is you can run high and low frequency at the same time on split screens, which is a big thing. Like even, even now when we're marlin fishing, I'll run my high frequency, so my SS175 high wide, I'll run that from the surface down to, say, 150 metres, yep. right? And then I'll run my low from 150 down to 250. And it's amazing the detail you pick up on the the low in deeper water like everyone goes oh but my my high wide marks the bottom you go yeah it marks the bottom but it's not it doesn't it's not marking what's going on in between so being able to run dual frequency is a big thing the other one i'm a massive fan of danny's autopilot absolutely love autopilot and i love it for a lot of reasons um you know i fish with my daughter a lot and quite often it's just the two of us in the boat to be able to put the boat on autopilot when we hook up just to clear a spread or to get lures in and do all that sort of stuff, it's just so handy. So, you know, definitely multiple transducers, the good unit, like, you know, I have two units as well. Like I'd have two, I've got a 12 and a 16 inch Simrad in the boat and I do like to have GPS on one and sounder on the other, just cause I like to always be playing around and doing stuff. So um, yeah, that'd probably be it. Transducers, the, the right unit and then autopilot. Yeah. The, um, so Bill Malonis, I know, you know, Bill, yep. so, Bill, Bill's a good mate and he, when I first got into like really started getting right back into it, he was like, you got to, you got to put autopilot on. I'm like, Bill, I've yeah. just paid all this money for this awesome boat. I want to drive it. Like I want to, he's like, mate, you, you got to get autopilot. And he'd been on to me for, I don't know how long, like years. Yeah. And I finally yeah. Bit, bit the bullet and put autopilot in the boat and I 100% agree with you, mate. It is so like you just, even on the long runs heading out, you just yeah. put it on autopilot, you sit up there, you're just looking around, you can scan the water, you can do what you need yeah. to do without really worrying about I'm going in, in the right direction sort of thing. Yeah, and, and you save fuel because you're driving a straight line. You know, like even the other week we were going off lakes and I wasn't using the autopilot, it was dark. And I was driving and driving and the boys were like, what are you doing, right? I'm like, what do you mean? And by the time we got to where we were going, I had done this like, basically u-shaped line out to the spot i reckon i put an extra five to six kilometers on our trip yeah so um it's very handy do you know the other one i love autopilot for when you're tuna fishing down here and, and if you haven't tuna fish down in victoria um you're missing out what well, that means who, who would want to be anywhere else other than in five meter swell but when you're down here and you get those workups you know, when you, it's a funny sky, you get that cl slate gray cloudy sky. It's not dark. It's not light. It's really flat light. And you'd be looking and looking and looking and you'll just see one or two birds, just a flicker of a white wing. Yep. Right. That can signify when you get close a couple of hundred. I love it that I'll go, right, there they are. You know, you can't put your head down and look around. You just go bang. There's two birds, point the nose at them autopilot on yeah that's and that saved my butt a couple of times because you know if you look away and look back you'll never get your eye back on those birds so one of the things so, and I, I know you've just put this on your boat because i've seen the video of you doing it is the is the new yep. radar so yep. uh we were over at at uh port ferry this year 
with, with the with the boat with the new radar and everything on there and it was yep. we had a real average day like there was a real thick sea mist and you you really, oh, yep. you literally couldn't see more than you know maybe a hundred meters if that in front of you and um we we're yep. over there with dan from salty dog and uh i was marking birds on the radar with the with the halo How and that? just just talking him onto the birds and he's you know he's 10 15 k's away from us and i'm like yeah dude yep. you need to keep heading heading south or yep yeah, keep coming this way and that's where like another five k's and you will be on birds yep. and he's like how can you see it i'm like dude i'm telling you that's and same same really that's autopilot, cool you, you just drop the mark on the on where the radar's yep. flashing the birds and just hit autopilot and then off you go that's right and then you and then you're right to do what you've got to do you know, as well. That's the thing. You can get ready. You can do whatever you need to do. So I do love that velocity track on it too. The color change. And if people don't know what we're talking about, it's um, it's a, a color change. So anything coming towards you is green. Yep. And then anything moving away from you is like a yellowy Yellow, sort yellowy of funny brown. color. Yeah. And it's so good. You know, when you're just looking at a boat, going, is he moving? And is he? coming where's he going it's hard to pick and mate that velocity track i absolutely love it i love it yeah we've um like i said the the simrad electronics obviously make a you know they are a game changer especially yeah for the pelagic sort of stuff even for the the bread and butter fishing that i know you you love doing and you do a lot of they they all play their uh, part and they're worth having everywhere yeah definitely the thing i think i love about and people say why do you why do you like simrad or why do you use simrad i am no tech guru let me tell you but i love my simrad gear i just say to people if you can use an iphone you can use simrad and that's what i do love about it you can play around with it and that's the biggest thing too i reckon if guys want to get the best out of electronics i don't care if it's simrad or faruna or raymarine it doesn't matter you've got to play around with it to get the best out of it if you're just going to turn it on yeah it'll work but if you play around with it, you'll get it to just start humming. And that's the good thing about this gear. Cause if you stuff something up, you just go back, you start again and it's all good. Yeah. And, and I agree 100% mate. I'm no tech guru either. And, uh, but being able to play with it, even Marlin fishing, like, you know, we fished over at Burmy for a couple of years there and, um, everyone's like, Oh, I've just marked fish. I've just marked. And I'm like, we're in the exact same area. And I'm like, what the hell are they looking yep. at? Like, I don't know. And then, when we got the the upgraded gear and I really started learning how to play with my sounder and all that sort of stuff, I'd be like, yeah, we've just gone over a marlin and everyone's like, what do you mean? Next thing, you know, the rods are going off or whatever. I'm like, yeah, we're on, we're on. So electronics, you got to have them. Oh, you do. You do. And you don't always mark the fish, but you can mark the bait and you can mark bits and pieces of things that will tell you the fish are there as well. You know, just how the bait is marking up will tell you if there's a fish on it. You know, if you've got a flat edge or it's pressed up, you know, you go, there's a fish there somewhere just by the way the bait's behaving. So it's, um, it's definitely good stuff to have and it's, and it's even better stuff to get to know. Like on my, on my unit, Dan, I've got it going that good now. I can usually pick the difference between a shark and a marlin, the way they mark up. Yep. So, so and the I'm, amount of times we've done it. Yep. And, and so. I agree 100%. I've got screenshots of like when we've been burlying and then stuff of when we've been trolling for marlin. And you can see yep. a, a clear distinct between yep. a marlin and a shark. And it's and and shark. even the, yep. the tuna. So the tuna, when they come through, it's a real long squiggle sort of thing. Whereas yep. marlin is more of that, that arch. Boomerang, yep, yeah. stretched and, out boomerang, yep, yep. 
yeah. and sharks are often very flat. It's yeah. just um, we did a we've done a lot where you just mark a fish down, say thirty meters, you like chuck a livey over, and you send down, and go I reckon that's a shark, and then it gets eaten, you go, oh yeah, that's a shark. Like it's just it's just funny how they how they mark up and they show up, and so I mean, who would have ever thought? 20 years ago, if someone said you were going to be doing that, people would have thought they would have sent you straight to the crazy house. Well, there's, there's all that stuff now. I know um, the boat Ultimate Lady is running yep. that, that uh, marine gra- or army sort of grade or military grade uh, radar and everything, sounder. Yep. And they're tracking stuff yep. out to, out to five, yep. five Ks and stuff like that. So yep. the forward um, face, all that forward-facing sonar yeah, stuff, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, It's massive, like like massive so but big big bucks big bucks yeah big bucks but i suppose in the scheme of it if a guy's got a two or three million dollar game boat and he's spending all that money to go to cans and keep it up there for three months a fifty thousand dollar transducer or whatever it might be it's a pretty cheap investment to be catching fish isn't it yeah it is and and, you know those guys i'm a long way off i'm a long way off that though let me tell you that that makes two of us mate you're not the lone ranger there let me tell you Mate, I'm uh, I'm I'm so I'm about forty nine and a half thousand dollars away from the transducer, and let's not even go into the boat. Yeah, I'm hearing you. I'm one hundred percent hearing you there. So yeah. uh, I know you've been doing a fair bit of stuff with Hookem lately. Um, I've been seeing a fair bit of stuff flashing up yep. on Facebook and all that sort of stuff. Um, once again, yep. you know we're a big big fan of of Mick and and the guys over at Hookem. They do an awesome job. Builds good I've seen stuff that you did on the tuna tubes the other day and we're running the flush mount ones in our in, in yep. the rib. Awesome yep. bit of kit. Awesome bit of kit. So you're I know you're a big fan of those guys. What's yes. yeah I've used I've used Mick stuff oh since you know since he started you know pretty well. Like I've I've used his stuff for a long, long time and it's been really it's been really cool to see the progression and the of the product of just how not only is there more product, but how the product's got better and better. So yep. it's, um, you know, so I'm starting to do a lot more of that social media content, sort of how-to stuff for, for companies like Mick. And, and I enjoy doing that sort of stuff too. It's always nice when you're doing stuff with people you've got a long-term relationship with and it's really good product. Yeah. The, um, so you, you did a bit there on the gaffs. Obviously, Mick's bought yep. out the new uh, Diamond Head gaffs. Yep. What what's your sort of feel on the the diamond head head versus the the traditional gaff? Which one? Oh, I love I love or? I love diamond head gaffs. Absolutely love diamond head gaffs. The the bonus is you get a small gaff head with a lot of strength, being that diamond shape, and also the metal being in a in a sort of sorry yeah diamond shaped head, triangle shaped sort of steel. It's got the strength, but also the big thing is that that and I explained it in the video that when you drop the the gaff say across the back of a fish that tip's actually facing down and out so it's finding its way into the fish as that gaff's going over you don't sort of have to put it over and then pull it across as such with chance of missing so massive fan of the diamond heads and i like small gaffs like i use a four inch gaff head for jumbo tuna so and if you look at probably one of the biggest tips i can give people so the bigger the gaff the bigger the chance of missing or, you know, hitting just some part of the fish. The smaller the gaff head, the easier it is to place. Look at longliners. Longliners are gaffing the biggest of big fish, you know, trip after trip. Their gaffs that they use are tiny. You know, they use, because they're on a long pole and they use a tiny little gaff head and they don't miss. Like they gaff the tuna in the eye so they don't damage the meat. So yeah, give me a small gaff head any day. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of give me someone that's used a gaff 
any day. So yeah. The, the, the amount of marks I've had in the side of the boat because someone's using a gaff and it's like, dude, the fish, not the boat, the fish, the fish. Dan, I had one of the, one of the first jumbos we ever caught. I think it was probably the second or third one. One of the boys on the boat, we got him on and fighting the fish and everything's cool. And this, I'm like, you're right to use a flying gaff. Yeah, I know how to use a flying gaff. I know how to use a flying gaff. It's all good. I'm like, you're sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got it. It's all under control and all this sort of stuff. Mate, as this tune has popped up, everyone started freaking out. And I had to calm everyone down. But this thing's popped up. It's paddled on the side of the boat. <laughs> and as he's reached out with the flying gaff, the gaff head just fell out. And I'm just going, boy, you said you knew what you're doing. He goes, oh, oh, I've seen it before. I'm just going, get out of the way. <laughs> So we uh, we got a barrel over at Port, uh, Portland last year and um, the guy that I had on the boat with me, Johnny Z, never, ever fished before, oh, yeah. ever. Like yeah. first time yeah. out, you know, five meter swell, 20 knot winds. Richie was out there with us. We're all sort of around mm. each other. Finally hooked up on this barrel, fought it, got it up on the surface. And, you know, it's it's a barrel. It's 100 kilos. And it's swimming yeah. swimming by the side of the boat. And Johnny's like, where is it? I'm like, mate, it's 100 kilos. It's right there. Like, it's right. And he goes, I can't see it. I can't see it. And he's got the flyer. Oh, no. He's got the flyer in his hand. And I'm like, have a shot. Have a shot. And so he, he takes his shot, nails it fair in the head. The flyer comes yeah. out. And he's like, I've broke the gaff. I've broke the gaff. I'm like, oh. <laughs> no it's not broken i'm like and he tied the other end off he goes i didn't know you had to tie it off and the rope's hanging in the water out the side of the boat oh, not tied oh, off. No. I'm like, what are you doing <laughs> just grabbing stuff so oh, yeah, it was, it was, it was cool mate I, I, and one thing on that you know it's funny the first few jumbos we ever caught that we kept we always used a flyer these days i don't i, I just prefer a good fixed gaff i have a flyer ready but i just use fixed gaffs on my on my tuner it's just easier to place easy to use, easy to move around when that fish pops up at some weird angle. So yeah, certainly, but, but we always have two fixed gaffs out and then we'll have one flyer ready as well in case the fish carries on. But in most cases, look, I let them go. So I just use this tiny little gaff that I slip in their jaw and just paddle them along the side of the boat and get the hook out and stuff like that. And it's quite amazing that when you're letting a fish go, how much calmer and smoother everything runs versus when there's this pressure of having to put the fish in the boat. So, well, um, yeah, we, yeah, um, but, yeah, Jackie, Jackie hadn't caught a fish for ages. Like she hadn't been out with us or anything. And we had a couple of bluefin up and she'd hooked one, got it up next to the boat and it was just me and her on the boat. And normally we, we yeah. tag, I'd say we tag 90, 98% of our fish. Like we, we barely keep yep. anything. And if we are, it's only to, to eat. Yep. So anyway, Jackie's like, yeah, I want to keep this one. We'll, we, we need to put some fish in the freezer. And I'm like, yeah, all right, no props. So I've got it. I've got it by the leader. I've got the gaff in the other hand. And I'm trying to get that perfect gaff shot. And I'm, I'm trying to hold it out with, my, with one hand. And then I'm trying to gaff. Well, it didn't go to plan. I hit the, hit the lure, knocked it out of the fish's oh, mouth. Oh, no. The fish swam off. And uh, I've got it all on GoPro. So but there was so much beeping that was involved that I had to yeah. edit it out because, and then she didn't speak to me for nearly two hours on the boat. Oh, really? That's not a bad thing though, is it? Oh, mate, it was like, <laughs> I was in the doghouse. Oh, mate, yeah. I, um, yeah, I feel your pain. I think everyone, everyone has lost a mate's fish before. I know I've done it over the years. I mean, it's just, it's an unfortunate thing in fishing, isn't it? That the more you do it, things are going to happen. Because yep. not everything goes well, but you know it's pretty rough to do that to Jackie just because you didn't want her to catch the fish, mate. 
Well, you know, well, we won't say that to her. I, I always <laughs> apologise, but I had to keep yeah, one up it. on her. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Just like, that was bigger than my tuna. Better fix yeah. that up. So. Yeah, that, that one, we were going to tag it anyway. Like. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. That's it. That's so it. Uh, on, the, on the scale then, what is the, the pinnacle fish, mate? Like what is the, the one, you know, the, the most memorable catch and then the one that you're sort yep. of still chasing, the one that you, you want? I have been so fortunate in my life to do what I've done, to have caught what I've caught and been where I've been. Swordfish are just eating a bit for me. To catch one in my life was something I thought I'd never do. To catch a daytime sword was incredible. To catch a swordfish and then catch multiple swordfish filming for a television show is something I never could have dreamed of doing. Like the first one we got on film with Richie for Fishing Edge, I did nearly cry because it was just, I'm like, I can't believe that this has happened. We've come out here to catch a daytime swordfish and we've done it. Like, and we did it easily. That was the thing. So that's probably the pinnacle. My, I love blue marlin though. I froth on blue marlin. Like just the thought of blue marlin gets me excited. I caught a big one off Naruma one year. We put 320 kilos on the tag card. I've seen bigger ones that we've lost. I just love blue marlin. They're probably my favourite fish. Them, yellowfin tuna, and then at the opposite end of the scale, trout, big trout up in the snowy mountains. Oh, I absolutely love doing it because I grew up doing it as a kid. Yeah, so, uh, you know, touching on that, I know you, you grew up up that way, chasing the trout and that, and obviously mm. you've still got a, a good passion for it. There was some good good shows that went to air before COVID hit and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Where you were actually back up there, um, I think you're up Ginnabine yep. or Yukonbine, one of those. Uh, you would have been Yukonbine, the last lot of stuff I did. Yeah, yep. yeah, last lot. So just love it up there. Yeah, we, we got up there a fair bit as kids as well. Um, Dad was mad keen with the trout, still is. Loves getting up Dartmouth. Really love fishing Dartmouth. Yep. Good part of the world. Yeah, he, uh, he actually, just before all the lockdown started again, he got a really nice trout out of Eildon. Eildon's been fishing okay. really well. So of course it has. Yeah. Everything everywhere's been fishing really well. But uh yeah, the trout out of there was was really good. Uh would have been probably three nearly four kilo. Oh wow, that's a really good fish. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Nice. So, yeah. I, I I love my trout fishing, mate. It's funny, like the two opposite ends of the scale, you know, swordfish and marlin and tuna and then trout, you know, freezing your butt off on the side of a lake. Yep, but it's it's totally different. Like you said, you know, like I know for the the freshwater stuff, if we're going to go chase freshwater, we normally we normally camp. So you've got that whole yep. camping vibe. The whole you're there with the family, you're there with good mates, you're sitting around by the yep. campfire, having a, a camp oven, you know, all those sorts of things. So it's totally different. Whereas I find when I go saltwater fishing, I, I'm very fixated and focused on what i want to do so if we're there marlin fishing like you know i get pretty wound up pretty pretty easy when we're yeah. marlin fishing um because you put yeah. so much time and effort into it whereas on the other spectrum on the freshwater it's relaxing you just kick them back it's yeah yeah totally it's a yeah you don't you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie at the end of summer getting getting your butt kicked by nor'easters marlin fishing day after day and stuff like that to be up on a lake that's quiet and calm and you don't have to wash your gear after fishing and all that sort of stuff it is 
you know, and it's it's amazing how many mar- how many marlin fishermen love trout fishing. You know, Eddie Lawler, who runs Peak Sport Fishing yeah, yeah. in Exmouth, Eddie is a fanatical trout fisherman and a very very good trout fisherman. He goes over to New Zealand every year. He and you know he's there. He's got the hottest blue some of the hottest blue marlin fishing in the world. He's catching you know hundreds and hundreds of billfish a year. But when he gets his break, he's straight over to New Zealand catching big trout. Just for yeah. that total opposite end of the extreme. Yeah, it, it's it's a funny thing, isn't it? You, you spend all this time chasing, you know, like, let's be honest, game fishing isn't cheap, but the yeah. trout fishing, yeah. you know, is, is really, you, you don't have to spend too much to go and be on good quality fish and catch good quality fish. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know what, like I love my trout fishing, say, and I love trolling. I just love trolling for fish. I don't care if it's marlin or trout. I love trolling. And I know a lot of people hate it, but for, I just, I don't know, I just love it. But I also love sitting on the side of the lake with a couple of mud eyes under a float or scrubbies on the bottom, just kicking back, doing nothing. Like that is just the cheapest, most enjoyable form of fishing ever. Yeah. Yeah, well, you haven't done too many episodes of that. You've done a lot of episodes of walking streams and, and things like that, but not mm. too many of the, the mud eye and, and sort of that sort of stuff. Yeah, well, I was really hoping to do that this spring, but I don't think New South Wales is going to let us over the border, to, like over there anytime soon. So um, I'd say I'll be holding off saying that if we get the opportunity and there's some good trout fishing around here, you know, to go and do stuff off the bank, I'll be more than happy to do that. But this spring up in the snow mountains is going to be a good one for the, for all that sort of stuff. Cause it had rain. So the lakes are going to fill and the edges are going to be good. And the spring fishing for trout is going to be off tap. Yeah. What about the cod? Look, cod fishing, when I do it, I enjoy it, but I'll be honest. It's not something like if you said, Hey, we're going away for a weekend cod fishing. It's not something that I do. The yep. cod fishing I've done, and I've been fortunate to catch a couple of big ones. Most of the stuff I've done has been like with Lube and Pfeiffer and um, Nick Sedgwick and stuff like that. And and it's more I go and do it for filming. But when I do it, I love it, you know. But it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's just I'd probably go trout fishing or I always find myself doing something else instead of going cod fishing. But I do love the whole camping and, you know, that aspect of stuff. So tell you one thing I do enjoy is, around that Albury area, I go with my mate, Nick Sedgwick, yep, Nico, Sedgwick. and he, we, yeah, we get his little punt and chuck it in and we drift down the river fishing for the cod that way. And that is the most enjoyable way to fish for cod, drifting down a crystal clear river that you should be catching trout in. And you see these cods swim out from under a rock or a snag and you see them literally coming from meters away to eat your lure. Like that is, that's pretty cool fishing. That's for sure. Yeah, I um, I actually seen a couple of your episodes with with you and Sedgy in the the leaking pond mm. that you have to pull up on the bank and drain. Yeah, yeah. and it's just it's but good. That's all part of the part of the fun. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's uh, it's it's good. Obviously, when you're shooting stuff for TV, there's there's a bit more that has to go into it. So, do you find yourself sort of getting annoyed with that stuff, mate, or is that you know it's yeah, just part and parcel yeah. of it? Yeah, I, I do. You, you do. It's, it's the best job in the world. When everything's going well, it is the best job in the world. And when everything's going bad, it is the absolute pits because you're tearing up money. You're not catching fish. It's, you know, it's, it's really depressing when you're not catching the fish and you're making a television show. But what it, look, it's taken me to amazing places. I've met people I could never have dreamed of and I've learned so much doing what I do so I can never ever say it's a bad thing but it is nice to go fishing without a camera in your face 
because everybody who comes with me goes, oh, I didn't realize that there was so much into it. And probably the best way to describe it is imagine a 10 snapper session. If you're filming, it's probably four because of the stuffing around and the stopping and the starting and the getting the shots and all that sort of stuff. So I, I do enjoy my time without a camera, that's for sure. So obviously, was this something that you sort of planned, mate? The the whole, like when you left school, things like that, was that something that you were sort of aiming for? I mean, you know, we've all got dreams of doing certain things. Was this something yeah. that Lee Rayner was looking at or it just sort of um, fell into it? Or? Mate, I just wanted to go fishing. That's all I've ever wanted to do is go fishing. And I was fortunate at the end of high school, I went and worked for Shimano and I did some episodes on Rex Hunt Fishing Adventures. And then the opportunity came to move to Melbourne. And then I started helping Rex and the boys with some of their shows because they just had a bad run. They were going to places just and not getting fish. And some of it was time of year and just factors and stuff. So I started to help them out. And look, people go, how do I get into doing what you do? It's right place, right time, putting yourself out there. You know, it's not easy, but when it all comes together, it's good. So I could never have dreamed of doing television. I could never have dreamed of doing television because, like I said, I just wanted to go fishing. Like, I always said if I didn't end up working for Shimano, I would have been straight to Cairns crewing on a heavy tackle boat and then probably off to Hawaii and New Zealand and I'd probably still be fish-pigging my way around the world, chasing marlin on game boats. That's what I'd be doing. Yeah, okay. So, obviously, it's you've enjoyed it. Yeah, been an amazing, an amazing journey. And you know what's exciting is this, this, and I always try to put a positive spin on things. This COVID things really hit all of us really hard. But for me, it's, it's driven me crazy. It's given me a break. It's made me take stock of what I'm doing. And I've had time to think about and put in place some stuff I've wanted to do for the last few years. And this is now allow, now going to allow me to do it because things are going to change. Things are going to be different when, when you know, in the next couple of years. So um, I'm really excited for where the stuff I'm going to start to do because it's going to be a little bit different and it's going to be more accessible to people and it's going to be a lot of fun. And yeah, so it's, it's a pretty much like a watch this space sort of thing. And you're not going to, you're not going to break it on, on Hook'em. On, I can't. Uh, no, I can't. Podcast. I can't. It's still, it's still all on, on the drawing board and that, but it's all looking, it's going to be good, you know. And honestly, if I was still just making Fishing Edge as a television program, it didn't allow the time to go and do other stuff. So this is, this is now given me the, the time to get my head around some other ideas and get some stuff happening. So, yeah, and that's, that's going to be cool. But, look, I don't care what I do. I don't care if I'm eating baked beans and wheat bix the rest of my life, so long as I'm catching fish and my kids are happy. That's all that matters. Yeah, nice. So obviously, you uh, you closed up the shop. I think it was last last year, end of October. End of yeah, yeah. Like October. Yeah, so October. Don't, yeah, don't miss that at all. Don't miss that side of the house. <laughs> oh no, no. Look, do you know what I missed? I missed the um, the customers. I missed the customers, and I missed that. Yeah, the I suppose because fishing's a social thing. Like you don't have to go to a shop. You have to go to the supermarket to buy food, but you don't have to go to a tackle store. So generally when people come to a tackle shop, they're in a good mood. The, the excitement of someone going fishing and the excitement of being able to help someone with something and then the final excitement of someone coming in going, hey, I caught that fish or what you showed me worked, that, that's the bit I miss, I suppose, just the social aspect. So, uh, but retail as a whole, no, 
Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. So uh, I know I know you mentioned the Shimano stuff. You're uh, you're yep. a big big fan of Shimano. What's your uh, what's your ultimate setup then? I guess it doesn't have to be Shimano, but um, I'm betting it's probably going to be. But what what would be your ultimate um, setup for? Let's say uh, we'll start with the trout trout setup. Trout. Look, just a, a nice little spin reel, a Stratic. And I had, I, I got one of the first Stratics that ever came out and I've had multiple ones since, but Stratics for money, you can't beat them. You know, they're such a good piece of gear, love a Stratic, any of the rods that you choose. And they don't even have to be expensive these days. Most of the rods I use are not that dear. So, cause I do tend to, I don't know, they just break in car doors and stuff like that. I don't know. Um, so that look as an overall all round spin reel, Saragossa, could you go wrong? Nah. I don't think so. Then game reel wise, look, Talicas are making big moves in the market, but Talicas have their place. They're not the be all and end all of game reels. I still think a Tiagra is an all round better reel than a Talica and people are going to jump up and down and carry on about that. But the, the waterproofing in a Tiagra is better. There's, I do like the bridge top on them. Um, so the line can't jump off the spool for live baiting. So they've got their features, but then the Talica being narrow and light, and high speed has also got its place. So they've both got their place, that's for sure. But how can you? How can it be denied when I've got a, a Tiagra 50, not a 50 wide? John Dunphy gave me that reel when I was 16. Yeah. Okay, I'm now 43. That Tiagra spent three years in Sydney catching the crap out of yellowfin. I mean, we had big runs of yellowfin for three years. Like we, we caught over 100 yellowfin a season. That thing there has had two services in its life and it's still as good as the day i got it so i don't think you can i don't think you can deny how good something is when you've had it that long and it's been used that much nah we're um I, I, look i'm a big fan of shimano um growing up as a kid you know money was always tight and dad you know yep. poor, poor man pays twice was the saying that was always yep. said dad yep. saved up and actually won a tiagra in one of the tournaments we're fishing over oh. the, the, the bernie Burmy yellowfin comp Yep, and uh, I remember seeing this gold rod on the uh, gold reel on the back of the boat, and I'm like, oh, you know, this is mm. this is pretty blingy, like. And then yeah. now, you know, our whole setup is all Tiagras. like that's all that's on the back of the boat, yep. Tiagras. and yep. Uh, yep. It, they're just phenomenal reels. Um, Jackie, you know, she's everyone's probably heard the story a few times, but Jackie lost one over the side of the boat last year. And actually got caught between the transom and the motor. Mm, so she, I remember you telling me this. Yeah. So anyway, we got it back, but it was full of salt water, and I, I took it into uh, to Ronnie in um, in Bermagui, who services all the Shimano yep. stuff and everything he's, like that. He's good. He yeah. is awesome, and yeah. got the got the reel back on the boat, and this thing, it is, it is so smooth. Still, everything works, yep. and yeah, you, you can't fault them. No, you can't. I remember back in the day when Tiagras hadn't been out that long when I was working for Shimano. Yeah, they'd been out, but not, not for a huge amount of time. And we on the Shimano boat, Triton, we used to dunk them in the water, like to do stuff, like have a tuner on and then hang them down through the marlin door, open the marlin door up and put the reel in the water and dunk them and do disgusting things to them and then leave them and then surf, like open them up a week or two later. You know, it was quite phenomenal that even like nothing's changed in the Tiagras really like internally they're nah. still the same reel and externally so they're quite a, an amazing piece of gear but I tell you what 
probably a lesser known piece of fishing gear, Dan, or reel that that punches so far above its weight, and only the people who use them know is the Tienos from Shimano. So it's the silvery grey coloured reel. It's yep. got an aluminium frame. Okay, it's lightweight. So guys tend to buy the TLD, the black one, yeah, yep. as a as a lighter weight, cheaper option. The Tienos is the biggest punching reel you will ever find. Light in weight, holds all the line you need. It's got a huge drive gear in it. So you get all this cranking power out of it. So even under eight or 10 kilos of drag pressure, you can just turn the handle like it's in free spool and you cannot bust them. Mate, I had a Tienos 20 that we took to Rolly Shoals. I had 50 pound braid on it and just tried to break this thing for seven days and I've still got it and it hasn't missed a beat. Yeah. We, um, we actually looked at those and I've got to be honest, I, I, I didn't buy one. I went the TLD, especially yep. when money was pretty tight. It was, you know, the cheaper option. Yep. The, the TLD sure. was awesome. But, but yeah, the, they, they are, I've got a lot of mates that have got them now and um, they swear yes. by them. They, they absolutely Mate, swear by them. They are an amazing piece of gear. And when you put them next to a TLD, you see the difference in the main gear size because the main gear, it actually sticks out of the side of the reel, the housing. And you can actually see the difference in, in that with them. And that's a big part of what makes them so good. I'm actually setting up some uh, Tienos 20s this year for Mia for, on the Marlin and stuff like that because they're that bit smaller. They're that little light reel. She's 11 years old. You know, she fishes the Tiagras pretty well, but you just the weight of, say, even a 30 wide, you know, you see after a long time it starts to get to her a little bit. So I'm going to go to little Tienoses and, and she'll be smashing it out this year, that's for sure. Yeah, awesome. You um, you, do you do a lot of fishing with the family and stuff, mate? Is that you know part of the reason fishing um, so good, or or not so much? Or so Mia, my eleven year old, she she loves it. She froths on it. She but marlin, tuna, shark, swordfish. That's it. Not there still you interested go. in now, snapper and all that sort talking. of stuff. Yes, yes. Yeah. She, she's a smart she, girl. One. She loves it. She is my ticket to fishing trips. So. But then saying that, my nine-year-old Poppy hates it. Yeah, okay. Poppy, lo- Poppy loves hunting. Yep. So she's a little dirtbag. She likes to get out and do that sort of stuff. So you know what? It's nice. It's a nice thing that they do separately. I do, I do wish that Poppy fished more though, and I've tried so hard not pushing her but trying to just – because she seems a bit afraid of the boat in the ocean. But she'll cut – me and didn't like it until she was probably nine. So she's just come into it really solidly in the last couple of years. But I feel bad for Poppy because fishing's what I do. So there's, you know, times and trips and opportunities where she misses out because she just doesn't like doing it. And I'm never going to force her to do it. But I do wish that she did. So hopefully, fingers crossed, she'll come around and then, then it's nonstop fishing trips. Fair enough. <laughs> you, you touched on it there, a bit of the, the hunting and that. You, you're still doing a bit of that, mate? Yeah, I love hunting. That's my escape. That is my, I absolutely love it. I grew up hunting, you know, shooting rabbits and doing all that up in Cooma and, you know, as a kid, just doing all that sort of stuff. And then I didn't hunt for a long, long time. I didn't hunt for a long time. So then I got back into it because I needed to do something that wasn't fishing because my whole world, everything I did, the shop, the show, recreationally, everything I did is fishing. So I do... I love hunting. I absolutely love it. I love getting away. I love doing that. And yeah, that's a, a, a big thing. And it's nice to be able to do that with my, my nine year old as well. Yeah. You're uh, so anything in particular like hunting or just, just getting away? Oh, I love, 
I love my deer and all that sort of stuff. I think as everyone does, I do love my deer and all that stuff, but my all time favorite is pig hunting. Yeah. Okay. I'm a bit of, a bit of a fan of a dirty pig hunt. So, um, and mainly cause growing up in Coom up in the, the snow mountains, you get those big mountain boars, like proper big ones. Yep. So I do, I do love doing that sort of stuff. So, and I think I love the simplicity of hunting. You know, if you think about Dan, like a game fishing trip or a, a trip away, it's a lot of effort, isn't it? People yeah. don't realize that the, the prep that goes into a trip away before you go and the gear and the crap you've got to take and the organization versus going, grab a swag, a cooker and your gun and chuck it in the car and go. Yeah. Yeah, the um, you're right there, and I think you know, for a lot of people, they they really don't realise, especially the saltwater stuff, freshwater, yeah. freshwater. I I really enjoy for that simple reason that it's it is yeah low drag, like I said. But the salt, yeah, you, you the amount of time prep work, getting the boat ready, mm. then you get back cleaning the gear, you know, clean oh. like just it it does it does take a fair bit of work. Yeah. And then when you get home from the trip, because unfortunately for us, everywhere we go, we have to travel, you know, yeah. we don't have that luxury of driving down the boat ramp to heading out marlin fishing for a day. Everything we do is a journey. So it, it's all that, like, it's just the, the effort involved. So I remember I took one of my mates sortie fishing oh, three seasons back off lakes and I'm rigging sortie baits at midnight. And he's like, oh, is this really necessary? And then by the time we got out there in the morning and we sent the bait down and we got about 120 kilo mako and then we got a sortie, it was 120 kilos. He's going, he goes, I would never, ever, ever have been able to do this. He goes, I did not realize the work that went into, you know, that, those couple of fish. I'm like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> so it's a, yeah, it's a big effort. It, it is. Um, and we like, I, for everyone that knows me, I'll, I get really competitive. Like if we fish a tournament, I, I, I'm not going there to make up numbers. Yep. I'm going there to win. Like, uh, no. And, yep, and that's right. But anyone that's been on the boat with me, like something goes wrong. If you're not prepared to have a thick skin, don't get on the boat. <laughs> it's coming down range thick and fast. And then, you know, I'll switch off on it, you know, five, 10 minutes later, but people dwell on it and you're like, what dude, like we're here, we're here to win. So the preparation is key. Like yeah. the amount of work that you put in and, you know, I've seen it, you've mentioned it quite a few times on your show, all the preparation and, and it's the one percenters yeah. making sure that that knot's right, making sure that that swivels good, making sure that the bait's in the right way. It's being looked yeah. after the right way. It's just all that sort of stuff that people just rock up and they're like, yeah, well, we're going fishing. Yeah. I oh, know. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I do like it when I fish a tournament cause I'm the same. I, I like fishing a tournament, like anything you want to do well. You yeah. know, I didn't drive eight hours to Bermagui to hopefully catch a fish. Like I think, and that's what I always say to people, Dan, I don't go fishing to hopefully catch a fish, you know, as much as that can drive people crazy. The thought of going out and not catching something does my head in, you yeah. know, like I have to be going out to catch something. I don't, my, <laughs> It's not just nice being out here and a fish isn't a bonus. Like that is just the worst two sayings ever. If you want to, if you want to cop a tirade of abuse, pull that one out in my boat. Well, it's just nice being here. Like, like I love fishing tournaments with some of my mates from up the coast, especially because they're flat out marlin fishing tournament guys. And it wouldn't matter if it's marlin or barrel or trout. They like at night we have dinner, we go to bed. There's no pub yeah. or there's no mucking around. 
where if if fishing starts at six, we're up at four. Like there is no mucking around. Every drag's checked. Every knot's checked. Rigs are made. Everything's done. Like there there is. It is so serious, and it's amazing that when you take it seriously, how much different your results will be. Yeah, you know, we that's, are, that's a big thing. So like a lot of my mates don't don't fish. They come out on the boat. They're like, oh, you got this new boat. We'll come out for a fish. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no problems. They get out on the boat and they they see, you know, we're coming into the marina in the dark. We're going out in the dark. Yep. They're like in the dark. Yep. You know, like what the hell? I'm like, yeah, this is this is what this is about. We we don't go fish. It's not fishing. We're going catching. Like, there's no point. We're not burning that's fuel right. for no reason. We're going to catch fish. Like, that's what we're here to yep. do. Yep, so. that's it. And that's what I say to guys. It costs as much to not catch fish as it does to catch fish. So I may as well go and catch fish. So that's why even we don't even book accommodation half the time till we're leaving, you know, because we want to make sure that we're going to where the fish are biting. Yeah. Like it's, I've, I've done it when we're, where we've gone from here to, from Melbourne to Eden, fished Eden, gone from Eden to Bermagui and then Port Stephens. You know, in three days, that's what we've done. Or in two days. So Eden for a day, Burmy for a day. And by four o'clock in the afternoon, we're in the car from Bermagui heading up to Port Stephens because that's where the bite's at. So, you know, that's, and, and I don't care if I pay a bit more for accommodation. I'd rather be where the fish are. And that's, that's how we sort of live our life. Yeah. And I, I, like going from the trailer boat to the big boat now, it's, um, yep. they're the sorts of things that you don't realize how good it is having a trailer boat. A small boat, yes. Yeah, you know, like it, it's it's awesome because you can do that. Whereas with the big boat, you're sort of looking at it going, well, I've just bought it down from Burmy down to here and that cost me nearly yep. three and a half grand in fuel in two days. Yeah, we need the bite to come. So we're just going to sit around and wait. And you're like twiddling your thumbs, twiddling yeah. your thumbs. You're like, no, nah, all right, we got to go. So let's go. So yeah, yeah. And it is. And But then, mate, when that 25 knot nor'east is blowing, I'd rather be in the big boat. Yeah, there's some benefits. There's always pros and cons, <laughs> mate. Pros and cons, but uh, yeah, it's hot, it's, hot lunches in winter. That's hot lunches and staying dry. That's a real good pro. <laughs> well, it is. When we're over at uh, Port Ferry this this last trip, having Dad on the boat again, and and Dad's getting on a little bit now, and so he feels the cold a yep. lot more. But goes inside to the to the galley, and the you know the heater's on. It's it's 23 degrees in there and he's kicking back watching TV and I'm like, you're meant to be on the deck, running the deck. What are you doing? Like, what's yeah, going on? Nah, like, nah, 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 nah. So, nah, nah, nah. Uh, saying that though, Dan, I don't care how big your boat is when it's rough, it's still rough. Yeah. You still cop it. And you're 100% right there, mate. Like, it, you know, you, you do look at the big boats and you go, oh yeah, that'd be awesome. But it's still just as bad as being they, in the trailer boat. They rock and roll. They rock and roll a lot more. Yeah. They rock and roll a lot more. So, and that probably the, the one downside is you will fish in awful weather in a big boat because you can. Yep. Pretty much. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Pros and cons. Yeah. That's it, mate. Doesn't matter. Look, we are, I would just, I would fish in anything at the moment, to tell you the truth. It's well, made me, do you know what this has done, Dan? This has made me take stock and realize how much I do like fishing. It really has. It's made me think about all the fishing that I want to be doing again. Like I'm like, oh, I'd go trout fishing. I'd just go along the bank and toss a you know, scrubby out and just sit there all day. I don't care. I just want to do that stuff. And it's, I guarantee after this, I'm going to be going back to doing just a lot of just normal stuff. Like I can't wait to go up the tambo and fish for brim off the bank with sandworms. Yeah, it's, uh, you're right, mate. I think 
you know, you mentioned it right at the start of the show. A lot of a lot of people, you don't realise what you've got until you can't you can't do it. Yeah. And uh, and yeah. for a lot of people, you know, whether it's fishing, shooting, hunting, whatever, that full driving, camping, all those yeah. people now, you, you start to realise how lucky we are here in Australia and the things that we do have at our doorstep and and the resources yep. that are available to us. So yeah, yep. when we come out of this, I've got no doubt that there's going to be a lot of people heading away, making the most of it as quick yep. as they can. Yeah. I think it's going to be nice too, Dan. I think a lot of people are going to probably see a lot more of their own home States and realize what they've got locally. And even if it's not locally within Australia, I think it's, you know, you know, caravan sales are through the roof and camping gear sales and all that sort of stuff. Because when we're not traveling overseas, and everyone says this to me, like with the show, they're like, oh, where have you filmed overseas? And I'm like, BG and, you know, whatever, New Zealand, whatever. But everyone's like, oh, you're going to go to Europe and are you going to go? I'm like, no, I don't need to. Like Australia is a really big place and it's really diverse and we've got more fish species here than anybody. And I don't, I don't need to go overseas. You know, people want to see, I want to show people what we've got in our country and what we've got in our own backyards to start with. So, I, and I'm, I hope people take stock of all that as well and, and make use of their time that while they are stuck in Australia and even stuck within their own state because there's some really, really good stuff to, to do and see. Oh, yeah, 100% right there, mate. Like 100% right. The, um, I think you're going to find a lot more people will do that. Mm. You know, I think for us Victorians, we're, we're going to be, know the lepers of the country for a while i'd say um, <laughs> you think so uh, so you know we're gonna have to really focus on on our own state and the things that we've got here but that you know you, you're right we still got the bluefin i think we're gonna get i'm hoping we're gonna get a late run of bluefin i really am you got we will, the, the, we the will mate i'll be there you've got all those things that are gonna gonna come to us and uh it's just a, a matter of waiting and and doing the right thing for now and then hopefully we're yep. good to go yeah, fingers crossed, mate. Fingers crossed. So we just got to get through what the next four weeks is it? Uh, yeah. So they make the next decision. Yeah, I think it's four weeks. It's about it's about four weeks, and then they'll make another decision on what happens for the next four weeks after that. Yeah, it'll be right. We'll, it'll come. Mm. We'll come out the other side good. It'll be right. We will. Yep. It'll be all good. It will be all good. Uh, look, mate. Um, really appreciate you taking your time out of your night tonight and uh, and jumping on the no on problem. the book podcast. I really appreciate you jumping on the show. I look forward to catching up with you at some stage. Um, you know, hopefully we sure. can get, get you out on the on the big boat and give you yeah, give love you to come for a run, some nice warm stuff and uh, and go from there. <laughs> but yeah, look, mate. Like I said, appreciate you taking the time out for tonight and jumping on the show. So thanks very much, Heath. Nah, thanks. Thanks for having me on, Dan. It's bloody good to catch up with you, mate. Even if it was over a Zoom call. So yeah, look forward to catching up when we we get through all this. <laughs>